Welcome, Wildcat fans, to Weber State Weekly, a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, a man who had his heart broken with a Brewers game, seven NLCS loss while in a hotel room in Scotland, Colby Peterson. On the pod today, we have a man who had his heart broken during the 1995 5A State Football Championship, Dustin Chappie Chapman. Owen Hannum throws a pass falling out of bounds on fourth down to tie the game in overtime. Fremont goes for two. And the gentleman that caught the ball was open in the end zone, and he dropped the pass. And Skyline won the state title. Next, we have a man who shed real tears at the CIT finals in the D, Sean Lewis. I've witnessed many a basketball game at the Purple Palace. That is the one that breaks my heart the most, um, only because a buzzer beater. Yeah, I'm, I'm still I, I'm still in therapy over that one. Oof. And finally, we have a man who fell to his knees after the result of Game 7 of the 2017 World Series, AC. First time in my lifetime the Dodgers had made the World Series only to be stopped short by a bunch of cheaters. It still hurts. And cheat they did. On the show today, we have, uh, we're going to keep it kind of in that lane. We have a softball interview for you folks. We're going to be chatting with sophomore pitcher Mariah Ramirez about doing her best Shohei Otani impression. She's striking guys out, striking ladies out, and also she's raking. So we're going to talk to her a little bit about that. Uh, we're also going to be doing a quick football season in review. Uh, in review, as you folks know, uh, unfortunately, the Wildcats fell to the Southern Illinois Salukis over the weekend at home in the first round of the FCS playoffs. So we're going to be doing a quick review of football season and looking forward to the fall and what we can take from this spring season. And finally, we're going to be uh, continuing this kind of reminiscent feel on this today's show, and we're going to be doing a segment called Memory Lane. I'm going to be asking for our panel's best memories from a few sports, uh, Wildcat sports over the spring season, and we're going to talk about the warm fuzzies that we got that from Wildcat sports. But first, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Those are great places to get Wildcat. Now, Weber State Weekly in your ears. Um, we're also on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter is one of the best places to chat with us, uh, especially on game day. And we've got a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly if you want to support Weber State Weekly and the work that we're trying to do to highlight Weber State sports wherever they may be. And uh, finally, uh, we've got a, if you haven't already, please tell your friends if they're Wildcat fans, you have family members who love the purple and white just as much as you do. Tell them about Weber State Weekly. We want to continue to grow the show and highlight all the great work that our student athletes up at Weber State are doing. Uh, they're, they're working hard. And so we want to make sure that they get the recognition they deserve within the community and also beyond. All right. Now, Wildcat fans, we are excited to welcome sophomore pitcher Mariah Ramirez to Weaver State Weekly. Mariah has been on a tear lately, been doing a great job getting it done in the circle, but also hitting dingers at the plate. Mariah Ramirez, thank you so much for coming on Weaver State Weekly. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're really excited to chat with you because, like we said, uh, really been doing a great job. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of your statistics this season and talk about your journey coming to Weber State because originally from California, Southern California, but uh, made your way to Tennessee to Chattanooga and then found your way to Weber State. So, Ryan, my first question was that uh, you played your freshman season at University of Tennessee, Chattanooga, and then ended up transferring to Weber State. And so, talk to us a little bit about how Weber State got on your radar and how, you know, because a girl from California, then to Tennessee and now to Ogden, Utah. Talk to us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so I did start at University of Tennessee, Chattanooga, and once I hit the transfer portal, I talked to my friend Brooke, and she was here, so that's kind of how I got in contact with Weaver's Day. I sent them an email, 
and then met Co Gemicone and came to the campus and it was just beautiful and I fell in love. Coming to campus, of course, we talked to uh, your teammate Mia Rushton last week about how a little bit different than uh, than playing softball down in Southern California. You know, we've got some slow flurries at times early in the season, you know, when we start to play at the conference. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about how uh, how that's gone for you, uh, playing a lot of softball in warm weather, then coming to snowy Ogden, Utah at times and having to play in weather that's a little bit more uh, unfriendly, I guess. I mean, I've never been a fan of cold weather. So once I came here, I was like, oh, my God, there's snow. <laughs> I didn't think about it that much. but then. Once I started like coming here and just playing, it really didn't affect how I played. And then when we started getting outside, and I've just started to realize that I'm actually used to the cold now since being here. So we only can control what we can control. That's a great point. Uh, control your controllables, and that's not one of them. So don't worry about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, Mariah, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that 2020 season that got cut short because it's a weird one. So, you know, for the folks that were playing in the spring, like yourselves, uh, season was rolling. You know, you'd already played some uh, some conference or not some conference tournaments, but had played some neutral site tournaments uh, in other places in warmer weather. And then uh, we get into March and then all of a sudden the world just shuts down. And so at the time, you know, you were leading the team with 32 strikeouts for the season and then things just stopped. So talk to us a little bit about having everything just end so quickly after, you know, you'd put so much work into getting that season rolling and, you know, things were happening. Yeah, it really was devastating when we found out that our season was canceled. But before our season was canceled, actually after Texas, um, I had a stress reaction. So I was out for a couple of weekends. Yeah. Then I was about, I was so ready to play my first um, conference game here and I was, you know, getting prepared, getting the rehab. And turns out we can't we can't play. Big Sky announced that we couldn't play, so it was kind of devastating a lot, especially to you know the great senior outfielders that we had then, because we were on a roll, we were winning, we were just really hot and hitting the ball, seeing the ball really well. So kind of did have it a little bit effect on us. And so uh, season just stops, like you said. Um... You know, that's it. Sorry, folks. Uh, you know, there was a little bit of uncertainty, I think, early in the pandemic because we thought, well, maybe they would be able to come back as the months wore on. It became clear that that wasn't going to happen. Um, and so you just kind of had to go into off season at that point. And so talk to us a little bit about that. Talk to us about going into off season and just having to sit and think about, you know, wh where you could improve uh, now that the season was sort of done. Yeah, well, we basically had like a year off. So it was kind of just like yeah. we were just inner squatting, just going off against each other, seeing some live pitching off of our pitchers multiple times. But, you know, we just we were just excited to play. So whatever chance that we got, we were just ready. So preparing for the off season, we just focus on the little things of getting better at, at basically trying to get better at what you can improve on. So me pitching wise, I'm like, you know, I need to be able to control more. So having that little break of my arm and coming back and playing, it pretty much was ready and set. So Mariah, coming into this season, I, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about how you've been playing because you've been lights out in the circle, but you've also been raking and like your slash is on fire. You're leading the team in slugging percentage. And so how difficult do you think it is for you personally to, to balance uh, practicing, training uh, with pitching and hitting? It was a little bit difficult at the start because 
I had to sometimes stay a little bit to hit or I was over here just pitching some days. But before I wasn't even hitting my freshman year, I wasn't hitting. So when I came here, I was given the opportunity to hit. So I just took whatever chance I got to hit and just practiced on it, worked ahead of it and just try to balance all of that out basically. And make sure that I have to condition myself to run too. So <laughs> let's talk about pitching for a second. So you're you're currently leading the conference with a 2.93 ERA. Uh, talk to us about the mentality in the circle and why you've been able to have so much success here. Basically, what I think of in the circle is just getting ahead of the count and just working the strike zone as early as possible because I know that's where most of my success is. But also being be comfortable with letting my defense work because my teammates are what encouraged me the most to have the confidence that I have to pitch out there. So that's what I'm most thankful for, uh, for them behind me. Yeah, definitely play a big role there. You know, somebody's got to, got to trust the defense behind you and hope that they can get the ball over to first. If you got that slow roller. So Mariah, I also wanted to talk a little bit about, um, about home runs because we noted, you know, been doing a great job getting it done, striking folks out, um, keeping, keeping folks limited in the amount of runs that are coming across the plate, but also you're not leading the team, but second on the team in home runs this year, which is uh, kind of an interesting thinking because I think you have probably only maybe a third, the number of at bats as, uh, as, as that person who is leading the team, who is uh, really quickly, it's a uh, Lauren Ho, you know, so talk to us a little bit about that, about how, you know, still able to have a lot of success at the plate, but of course not a person who's playing every day and kind of get in, getting into that rhythm the way a lot of the position players are. How do you how do you kind of balance those two? Um, well, whenever I pitch, I usually hit. So when I'm up there in the plate, I don't really my mentality isn't really like oh hit a home run, but it's just hit the ball hard, put it in play, and see what the defense can do. Basically, that's basically my mentality there. So. So, Mariah, one more question for me. Uh, Weber State's been on a tear the last, you know, few years in the conference. Uh, what is the perception? I mean, how has it been being a part of that and building that team from from, from where it was to where it is today and, and, and the perception of that around the conference and, and how, it's, how it's grown? Yeah. We basically have a little saying. I'm pretty sure Mia might have told you, but it's sometimes you, sometimes me, but always us. So we really do emphasize that on that a lot. Because us as a team, our love for each other, our battle for each other is what's going to help us achieve the win or achieve the success that we want out there on the field. So basically just making sure that you hand the bat to the next person, get that person on base, move the runner, do what you need to do in order to be ahead is what we have been basically focusing on and have had really good success on. Mariah, I, I, I'm curious to know how you feel, how you and your teammates feel about Wildcat softball field. For those who haven't been there, it is absolutely beautiful. And especially your view from the circle. It's, it's absolutely incredible. But the team's seven and two Wildcat softball field this season. Do y'all feel like you have a home field advantage? And if, if you do feel that way, what do you feel gives you that advantage? We definitely do feel comfortable on the field. We love playing at the field. Just the view behind it is great, but also it's something that we're used to playing on. So having our audience come out there and having some fans there, just what pumps us up a lot too. 
Yeah, the only losses on uh, at Wildcat softball field this season have been out of conference matches. You know, uh, split a series with the Colorado State uh, Rams, and then also ended up losing a game to the Utah Utah Utes last week. And so, uh, you know, just some, some tough, uh, you know, competition from Power Five conferences, but still kind of holding your own um, up there at Wildcat Softball Stadium because it's it definitely feels like an advantage up there. Mariah, I wanted to talk to you now about there's an upcoming series this weekend against Portland State. Uh, thus far, the Wildcats have had a very good run in conference, um, just just absolutely smashed Idaho State, uh, had a big series last weekend down in Southern Utah, taking on number two, Southern Utah, I took two of three. So did did end up losing the first conference game in there. But the next game, you all came back and made a statement win, I thought to close it out on Sunday and hit the road. Talk to us a little bit about that series specifically about that Southern Utah, because that was kind of one and two. That was clash of the Titans in the conference. We talked a little bit about that with your teammate, Mia Rushton. And now that we've seen the results, talk to us about your mentality uh, after losing that first conference game in a doubleheader. Yeah, we kind of were just like kind of not into the game sometimes, but we definitely took that into perspective like oh any team's gonna come out with their best like we need to be prepared and get ahead like we have been so that was kind of lit us up the for our third game we're like going out there swinging bats hitting the ball hard just doing what we do and staying within ourselves so that's kind of what our mentality was yeah and i'd say it was a big one because you know suu and the show that they put on, it felt like they they thought they were ready for what was coming to them, and they felt like they had a bit of an advantage. And luckily, you know, you folks had a little bit warmer weather. <laughs> yeah, than, it was yeah, definitely than, warmer. You know, yeah, which was you know probably nice for you all because, as we noted, uh, playing against playing against other teams here in Northern Utah, sometimes you get a little bit um, things can be a little bit unpredictable, especially early in the conference season, but. Y'all were able to do a great job and pull out a couple of W's against a, a good Thunderbird squad. And so I wanted to ask um, one final question is now coming up, you have Portland State will be, it uh, looks like the the final home series uh, of the year. And then you'll have a big road trip coming up against Montana up in Missoula. And Montana, Montana has been pitching the ball well, has been doing well. And so talk to us a little bit about this upcoming series for you all, as it'll be kind of the final one before you get to come back and play in the conference tournament for a, another Big Sky Championship. Talk to us about Portland State and kind of, you know, what you guys are all thinking and, and preparing for for this weekend's three, three, three games. Definitely always have to expect the unexpected. So always be ready for your shot. Um, just hitting, honestly, just keep staying within us and hitting the ball like we have been and having that team chemistry is what's really going to help us. Well, Mariah Ramirez, we want to thank you again for taking a little bit of time to come and chat with us here on Weber State Weekly. Uh, like we said, keep raking and keep throwing those K's, man, because it is working. What you've got going on is just dazzling. And so uh, we'll be we'll be definitely rooting you on this weekend. Like we noted, as the Wildcats take on the Portland State Vikings at Wildcat Softball Field, will be the final series, uh, home series of the season before the Wildcats get to return and host the Big Sky Conference Tournament here in May. So, Mariah Mears, thanks again for taking some time to come to Weber State Weekly. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. 
Hey, Wildcat fans. This episode of Weber State Weekly is sponsored by Wildcat Rack. If you're looking for one-of-a-kind, officially licensed Weber State apparel, Wildcat Rack is the place. All the designs and apparel are made right here in Weber County by people who know and love the purple and white. Check out the latest designs by going to their website, wildcatrack.com, and be sure to follow them on Facebook and Instagram for new designs and sneak peeks as they become available. Now, back for more Weber State Weekly. All right, we want to thank Mariah Ramirez for taking a little bit of time to chat with us here at Weber State Weekly. Best of luck to them this weekend against the Portland State Vikings at Wildcat Softball Stadium. Like we noted in the segment, folks, if you have an opportunity, get up there, check it out. It's a nice field. The weather should be good and a great team this year. So go check them out live. Uh, Now we're going to talk about the football season in review. Like we noted at the top of the show, the Wildcats unfortunately did fall to the Southern Illinois Salukis. On Saturday afternoon, uh, losing 34 to 31, a heartbreaker of a game, uh, not what anybody expected, I think. And so uh, we did have a somber, um, how do I want to put it, a somber instant reaction show to it. But I wanted to give the panel an opportunity to kind of respond and, you know, talk a little bit about how they were feeling now that they've had a little bit of time to process it. So Dustin Chapman, I wanted to start with you. You know, interestingly, I have been to many heartbreaking events. We mentioned the state football title game. I was at that CIT final game as well. I was there in 2011 when Real Salt Lake lost the uh, CCL championship. And uh, 2019, I was at uh, Tottenham Hotspur Arena to watch them lose to Ajax in the uh, first round of the UEFA Champions League semifinal. So apparently I'm used to that, (laughs) losing games that you don't think you should lose. Uh, most of it for me is it just felt so uncharacteristic. Um, I don't know if part of me just thinks it was either a bad matchup or that Southern Illinois was just a better team, but there were so many things that were uncharacteristic about that Bronson Barron throwing interceptions that he hadn't done literally all year, making bad decisions that he hadn't done all season. Uh, the defense generally stout and, and big on, on halftime adjustments, it felt like Southern Illinois was better after halftime. <laughs> so there were a lot of things, special teams, generally very good, not good. So everything just felt uncharacteristic in every aspect, all three phases of the game. It just felt uncharacteristic. That's, that's, that's where I've come to with the conclusion that it just didn't feel right altogether. Yeah. Credit to the Salukis on getting the Wildcats out of their normal rhythm, especially in a place that's very comfortable to them. Stewart Stadium is a place that the Wildcats tend to win. And so most folks gave the Wildcats an edge in this game. They knew that it would be close, uh, but being at home, they thought the Wildcats might might be able to pull it out. Unfortunately, that was not the case. Um, Sean Lewis, let's now go to you and talk to you about, you know, now you've had a few days to kind of process kind of how you're feeling about this loss. You know, I'm feeling the same way I felt about it on Saturday. I, I wore my heart on my sleeve Saturday night in our post-game show. Uh, I I, I want to say this has been a great season. I, I love what the Wildcats did this year. First time in school history, they went undefeated in the regular season. Uh, tough loss in the playoffs. Um, but I feel like the, the team played with fire all season. Uh, they could have lost at Northern Arizona very easily. Uh, they could have lost to... Yeah, name the team Idaho State very easily. Uh, they they always seem to come through. We called them the Cardiac Cats uh, for half the season for a reason. Um, it just caught up with them on Saturday. It was just a horrible time to have a bad game, and they had a bad game. The defense had a horrible game. Couldn't get a stop on third down. We went over that uh, in in the post game show. Um, a lot of mistakes. Uh, red zone two red zone interceptions. 
uh, one that uh, was almost red zone or, or end zone interception. Two two that were intercepted, one almost intercepted. You, you got a fumble on the three yard line and can, couldn't convert more than a field goal out of it. I mean, the Wildcats had their chances. Totally had their chances. They they the special teams messed up on a fake field goal where they let a guy, what illegal player? No, he should have been covered, and and you know you should have saw the guy on the field and and gave up a touchdown when it should have been a field goal. I mean, there's just so many things we can't point to one play that was was the thing. But but at the end of the day, it was a great season. The Wildcats have never, only once before in their history, have only lost one game. This is only the second time in Wildcat football history. This is the golden era, folks. We've won four straight conference championships. First time in school history, we won an outright conference championship. There's nothing to complain about. Yeah, we didn't we didn't make the playoffs, but or we didn't we didn't advance in the playoffs. But you know, it was still a good season. Let's let's look at it and oh how the times have changed. I remember ten years ago we were complaining about a, a two and ten team, right? A uh, couple of seasons of two and ten. Expectations have changed around here, and that's the best part. We are we expect to go to the playoffs. The, the playoffs are not the exception now; they're the rule. We expect to go. We expect to succeed in the playoffs. And when we don't, that's disappointing. But still, a good season. Let, let's keep it in perspective. I'm still sad though. Smile because it happened, right? AC, what about you? Uh, talk to us a little bit about how you're feeling now that you've had a couple of days to kind of process this loss. Man, that was uh, that, that's a tough loss. It's a tough loss. I don't think there's any other way to put it. Um, Weber State definitely had their chances. Uh, we we saw some things in this game that we saw throughout the season. They just weren't ever able to figure out. They weren't ever able to capitalize on. It was the red zone offense, and that. I mean, pretty much we didn't see it against Idaho State, but from game two on, the red zone offense was a struggle. Had Weber State capitalized on uh, on their red zone opportunities throughout the season, they would have been seeded. They would have had a different team. That I mean, that's a completely different what if, and maybe we can talk about that another day. But bottom line is the, the narratives, or at least one of them, uh, with the red zone offense, st- they, they stood tall and they, they stayed true for almost the entire season and it happened in the playoffs. And so that it's a major bummer because Weber state, the team, uh, we here at Weber state weekly, we, we all had high expectations for this, this year's, uh, this spring season's football team. And I think that part of what hurts so bad, I said this in our, our post game show is the fact that it felt like uh, Sean, Sean Lewis, he put it the, the correct way by saying that there was a door wide open for Weber State to just step through and take that national championship. North Dakota State was down. James Madison was down. Who does that leave? And kind of that second tier, Weber State is the team that leads that tier. And so this was the chance it felt like for Weber State to make the breakthrough, take the next step into the national championship and potentially win it. And this season, it's an early exit from the playoffs. And so I think that's where a ton of the disappointment comes from. My what my biggest what if from the game, though, is there was a play where the special teams had an opportunity to be special and Southern Illinois took it away. And it was on a kickoff when Kylan Weiser was the up back Kylan Weiser, quarterback, obviously, was the up back, and he was the up back in the spot where teams will kick it to to avoid Rashid Shaheed. And so had SIU kicked it to Kylan Weiser, who knows what kind of trickery we would have seen up Weber State coaching staff sleeves, but we didn't get the opportunity. Good coaching, good read from SIU. But, uh, yeah, things just didn't didn't fall uh, the Wildcats' way on Saturday. Yeah, definitely the case. Uh, 
Dustin Chapman, you had some final thoughts before we move this on to re- season in review here. Yeah, so so two things there. I would actually submit that the first Idaho State game, they weren't in the red zone that much for them to struggle. Their, a lot of their their points were coming from outside of the red outside of the red zone. Excuse me. So I would say that. And then the second, I'm with you, AC. They had something planned there. I'm also convinced that they had something planned on the punt late in the fourth quarter from around their 40. Uh, they lined up strangely. They came up to the line. Whoever was the up back switched out of something like three seconds before they snapped it. And I was like, oh, he just switched out of a play because it wasn't the right look. So uh, I don't know that it was necessarily that they didn't want to do it. It was that Jay Hill mentioned this a few weeks ago. Teams were have very much been preparing for Weber State's special teams trickery. Yeah. Well, fellas, like you said, um, in spite of uh, a, a tough loss at Stewart Stadium on Saturday, it was a historic season. Uh, Wildcats making their first Big Sky Championship outright in school history. Um, Connor Mortensen, of course, like we talked about last week, getting the Big Sky Defensive Player of the Year. Um, lots of first-team Big Sky players, um, who a few of them did not play on Saturday, so that should be you know noted. But um, a lot to like here, and so I want to move on and let's uh, let's talk about some of these positives from this last season. You know, the spring season, guys. What's to like that we saw going into the fall? AC, I want to start with you. I feel like there's going to be something kind of weird about my answer, but I'm going to do my best here. There were some players that were out with injuries. Uh, uh, we'll say Kevin Smith, Chris Jackson. Uh, who are both extremely talented. Kevin Smith, was the he's an all-conference running back. Chris Jackson led the team in rushing touchdowns in 2019, so they're obviously valuable pieces. But the fa- it, it was timing. That's what it was. It was timing because that opened the door for Dante McMillan to get a lot of playing time. It opened the door for Daniel Wright, who had a monster game on Saturday, to get a lot of playing time. And so we got the chance to see some dudes who don't get a lot of playing time. Uh, McCade Mitten also was, he was hurt and that opened the door for Mitchell Maxfield to be playing on defensive end. And he had a sack and he had an interception on Saturday. So the spring season for me is we got to see a lot of dudes who we probably wouldn't have gotten to see had we waited till the fall, step up, get some experience, get some playing time. I, and please don't misinterpret. I love Kevin Smith or uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Smith, Chris Jackson, uh, McCade Mitten. I love them all. I, I wish them speedy recoveries, but it opened the door for us to see just how deep this Wildcat team is, how much talent is on the roster. And I think that the guys who did get the playing time are going to be all the better off for it come fall. And so I, I think that the spring, it gave us an, uh, a, an interesting look that we haven't seen from Weber State maybe ever. And it was interesting to see how the team uh, kind of rallied around each other and rallied around some dudes that were a little bit further down on the depth chart and was able to still make plays happen with some guys that maybe Wildcat Nation wasn't so familiar with. John mm. Lewis, what about you? What's a, what's a, a thing to like as a, as a takeaway from this uh, spring season? QB1, Bronson Barron, true freshman. The guy had not played football in three years. He showed uh, consistently why the coaches liked him, why why he got the, the start at the beginning of the season. I think he has a really bright future. I'm on the record of saying that he will be a Walter Payton Award winner uh, after his time at Weber. I, I think that uh, he is a, a true star and he is going to be the best quarterback in the big sky for a long time to come. And uh, uh, as long as he stays healthy, 
I, I think the future of the quarterback position is pretty much set at Weber State University for the next four years. Yeah, definitely a bright spot, right? And I would say that um, definitely a plus to the spring season was the opportunity for the offense. You know, this was the first year where Coach Matt Hammer was going to try and implement his new system for the offense, new quarterback coming in because of the departure of Jake Constantine. Um, and so an opportunity for that offense, which, you know, had some woes in the spring season to kind of get together, work out some of those kinks in that shortened season, and then get the opportunity to then kind of gel a little bit before we head into what's shaping up. You know, I think it's going to be a tough, a very tough fall schedule for the Wildcats. And like you said, uh, potentially, you know, could see Bronson Barron uh, winning a Walter Payton award down the road. We haven't had one of those since 1991 and Jamie Martin. So uh, that's, that's quite a bright spot. If we're, if we're talking about the future for the Wildcats, uh, Dustin Chapman, what about you? What's a bright spot from this uh, spring season? Coming into the season, you know, after 2019, during all of our previews before this season, we wondered about the defensive backfield, uh, that they were the most inexperienced group in 2019, and and we all thought that they had the talent and and wondered how things were going to go this season. Uh, folks, that is, a, that is a nasty group. <laughs> they are not only good, they are really good, especially against the pass uh, and – that is my positive is just how good our, our defensive, our secondary our defensive backfield is. They are absolutely solid and come fall uh, that is going to help us immensely. Yeah. I think that for the game on Saturday, you know, not being able to play Desmond Williams, who was the first, you know, team, all big sky player, not being able to have him play um, big loss for that wildcat secondary because uh, he had a huge impact over down the stretch for the Wildcats uh, as the season wore on. But now, guys, I do want to flip the script here and talk a little bit about, you know, maybe the not-so-positive things from the spring season. And so, AC, I'm going to bring it back to you now and say, you know, what are maybe some of kind of the the blemishes that we saw from this, uh, this spring season that well, hopefully, you know, we'll see corrected as we get ready for camp in July? It's going to be the flip side of what I said originally. It's going to be injuries. You look at the look at the playoff game, and Weber State's missing three dudes from their starting offensive line. And uh, I, I have it on good authority that some of these dudes, not just on the offensive line, but on the team, were playing through injuries that are going to require surgery. And so it's the, the team got banged up. And it, this is football. Everybody deals with injuries. Everybody gets banged up. But, man. That's going to have to be a quick turnaround on some of these injuries, some of these recoveries, because guess what? We got another fall season coming up in like, what, four months? And so th these dudes, they got to they gotta get in the operating room. They got to go have their surgery, recover, and then get back in game shape. That's a quick turnaround. And that was a big knock on, on skeptics of this spring season was the fact that, guess what? It's football. People are going to get injured. How are you going to turn around? And so Weber State, I mean, they played the spring game. They, they, they opted to have that risk. and. I mean, this is the reward you get. You're, you're going to have dudes who are banged up. Are they going to be ready for fall? That's, uh, to me, that's going to be a huge question mark come July when fall camp comes around. And hopefully we'll be here to, to cover it for you. Do you, yeah, do you guys feel like the the spring season playing seven games is better for the Weber State Wildcats going into fall 2021 than a traditional spring camp where you're just 
be on to like like does Weber have an advantage against the Montana Grizzlies in the fall because of these seven games? That's the question. You know, if if I can answer that question, Sean, I think that the Wildcats, um, maybe I don't necessarily see it as a as an advantage because. You know, there's been a lot of talk about what's going on in Missoula right now. People are very high upon what the Grizzlies are doing. You know, the two the two games that they did play, once against Central Washington, one against Portland State, they looked very clean, very crisp. And so uh, I think that for the Wildcats, especially like I noted with this new offensive scheme and still trying to really get that system humming, I think that it puts the Wildcats further along to be able to compete with a Montana team that looks like they are going to be very good along with some other, you know, big sky teams that will be coming back. Of course, Sac State's coming back, uh, you know, a, a share of the big sky conference championship in 2019 did not play in the spring. So they will be fresh and they will be ready. And I imagine that, you know, Troy Taylor is going to have that team probably in pretty good shape as well. And so I think that, Playing in the spring gave them an advantage of moving along and getting closer to being the complete team that they're going to need to be to compete against some very good uh, and tough teams in the conference. It, it was a risk reward, in my opinion. They saw the hole and wanted to go fill it. Unfortunately, we didn't. But guys, is Bronson Barron better off for having played six games in the spring than than starting in the fall? Yes. Is Montana worse off? replacing Dalton Sneed and having nobody have had played games and playing two games, but really they weren't really games. 100% no. So to me, yes, the injuries that could set the team back, but outside of everything else, absolutely. It was advantageous. It was, I mean, to me, that's why they started Bronson. I think that's why he got the nod because they knew they had a runway and he was going to be a freshman in the fall as well. Yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's correct. In, in the fact that Weber State was playing the spring season with their eyes on the prize. They wanted the national championship. There was definitely a, a shot there. I think everybody in the entire nation agrees that there was a shot for the national championship to be taken. North Dakota State's down. James Madison's down. I've already said that. But Weber State looked, I mean, tons of returning talent, tons of returning coaches. They looked prime. To, to go to the national championship, to go to Frisco. How many times did we say that on this show that we thought that there's a pretty dang good chance Weber State can go to Frisco? And so they played the spring season with the intent of getting to Frisco. And, uh, I mean, th this is what happens. This is football, lots of injuries. So did they get the reps? Yes, that's a good thing. But the flip side of getting reps is you're getting banged up. You're getting hurt. And Weber State got awfully hurt this spring season. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. And you know, guys, looking over the the spring or the fall the fall football schedule that we'll be enjoying, uh, you know, a, a scheduled uh, team against a money game against Utah to open up the season, then going down to Dixie State, James Madison coming to Ogden to play, Davis coming to Ogden again. Um, you know, I, you're going to have to play Eastern Washington in Cheney in, in the fall. You have to play Idaho State, which is normally not a game that we would sweat. But from the two times that we saw them this year, Tyler Vanderwall will be returning. Uh, that's a team that's on their way up. You know, Rob Fennessy is doing a good job there. So, you know, not exactly the uh, the the guaranteed dub that has been in the past. And then uh, on the road again against Southern Utah. So uh, not the stiffest schedule. Uh, no Sac State. No uh no Montana on this one, but uh, gosh, there's some games on there that are really, you know, we should be circling. So I want to, I want to kind of push the conversation forward now guys and ask, what do we I, expect in the fall? I, I'm sorry if there's no Montana in the fall, it's not a legitimate season. 
<laughs> oh, he did it. He freaking did it. I will say that we are playing Montana State in the fall. Uh, that game will be, uh, let me double check, that game will be in Ogden. Uh, I feel like they're kind of getting shafted, Montana State is. I feel like they've played us in Ogden now, what, like three in a row or something. But uh, yeah, I mean, so Montana State. Sorry, I couldn't resist, Colby. Go go on with your go on with the show. I just couldn't resist that one. <laughs> but uh, let's let's look forward to the fall, guys. And you know, kind of looking at that schedule. Um, you know, what what can you expect? Because you know, they uh, one game I didn't mention there was you will close out the the fall schedule. Um, oh, I thought the game was on the road, but it will be at Stewart Stadium against Northern Colorado. I'm not afraid of the Bears. That should be a win. Same thing against Portland State in Ogden. That should be a win, um, and at Polly uh, in San Luis Obispo, the way that Polly played in the spring, I'm not afraid of them either. But what can we expect in the spring, guys? Like, what do you, what are you thinking? I mean, sorry, in the fall, what can we expect in the fall? I think in the fall, you look at the schedule up and down, and there are four games that I think have serious potential for for some damage against Weber State. There's Utah, obviously, right? Obviously, yeah. James Madison week three. Doesn't matter where you play James Madison. It's in Ogden, and that's huge for Weber State. But that there's some serious potential for, for a, a loss in, in Ogden there. Montana State is a little bit of a wild card. They're semifinalist in 2019. They've got a new coach. Who knows how that's going to pan out? Nobody. So, but I mean, Montana State obviously has a ton of talent. And then heading up to Cheney, man, that that's a tough game. Yeah. And is Eric Berry is is he going to stay? Is their quarterback going to stay? If he does, that offense is lights out. So, who yeah. knows? But those four games, there's some serious serious potential for Weber State to to be on upset alert or to to you know be be watching out for a, a game against a team that's as talented or more talented. So four games, that's a lot of games, man, in in a in a schedule so, like that. That's it's a tough schedule. I, I'm with AC on this, but one an FCS school like Utah, that's a body bad game. You there's only two things you want out of that game. Three. Three things you want out of the game. Don't embarrass yourself. Don't get anybody majorly injured. And does the check clear? That's that's the only three questions you have after that game. Did yeah. the check clear? So those, I want to throw Utah out because because we're not going to beat them. Let's, let's just be real. I mean, I'd love it. I would love to go into Rice Eccles. Well, it's not going to count against the resume, right? But it doesn't yeah. count against the resume. The other thing you have to remember, the other thing you have to remember is this playoff was a little bit different. Only 16 teams. Next year in the fall, goes back to the regular 24. There's options and opportunity. You don't have to win the conference to 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 get into the playoffs like you did here in the spring, right? Um, there, there's room for error. If you lose to an Eastern Washington on the road, depending on the score, that doesn't hurt you as bad. You lose to a James Madison, James Madison at home, and they have a great season. Maybe that's not as good. You don't want to lose both those games, but losing one doesn't keep you out of the playoffs. I think it's a little bit different perspective than than this so uh, i i'm with ac those are the four tough games those are the four games you want to pay attention to uh but but i think there is room for error uh in the fall that there wasn't in this spring certainly right and you know we didn't mention there of course the wild card that will be montana state not sure what to expect from them but the wildcats do have the you know i guess comfort of knowing that they will be taking on the bobcats in ogden where they normally play very well uh, so they do have that, um, but we will have to see what kind of team Montana State becomes uh, as the season wears on. And luckily, that game is not until a fair bit down down the way. It'll be mid-October by then, so uh, we'll just kind of have to see where the Wildcats are at. But also, you know, 
Montana State will have had some time to begin to put their squad together as well. So interesting game that we just don't know what to expect there. Um, guys, uh, Chappie or AC, thoughts on uh, any uh, of, of this uh, schedule, what to expect in the fall? Yeah, here's my – I'm going to go from a higher level macro view here of, of it all. Uh, my concern is that Weber State had been getting the benefit of the doubt. We were a program on the rise. Uh, you know, we got the number three ranking preseason coming into this, coming into it, and that all matters. Uh, I'm concerned that rather than taking steps forward or maybe even one step back, that it's like multiple steps back, right? And the rankings don't necessarily matter in FCS. We have a playoff. It's it's awesome. But we saw this year that perception absolutely does matter because you need to get seating and you need to get home games. And we got a home game. We didn't get seating. So that's my concern, as, as it were, in the fall. And the expectation is that uh, the perception of the conference is going to take a little bit of a hit because none of the Big Sky teams got out of the first weekend. And also that Weber State is not going to be the quote-unquote darling you know, of the polls. They're not going to be the top of that second tier um, going into the season and getting the benefit of the doubt like I feel like they have been for the past two or three years. So I don't think perception does matter. I'm going to push back on you. And I'll, I say that because which program has more which program has a better national reputation than James Madison? There's one. And James Madison went in as the number one ranked team in the nation and they got the number three seed. So I, I'm going to push back and say that I don't think the perception matters to the playoff committee as much as it matters to everybody else. Well, I had a question for you fellows as well. Um, one of the things I think that hurt the big sky this year was the fact that uh, there was no non-conference play. And so because of that, there weren't, a lot of folks weren't quite sure of how to take the, the big sky. In addition, there were a lot of new transfer quarterbacks in the conference this year that now will have a year under their belt. And there was a lot of talent. We talked about Justin Miller at SUU. We talked about Tyler Vanderwall at ISU. We talked about Keandre Woodte at Northern Arizona. Um, do you think that the reputation, the way we just talked about of the big sky conference could rebound because now there will be non-conference play and a lot of these good talented quarterbacks who had the opportunity to, to kind of get their bearings in the spring season will have the opportunity to play non-conference in the fall and kind of show what they can do. And the big sky kind of shows that like, Hey, the, the ceiling or the, the, the basement of this conference is not as low as people think. And things are kind of trending upward. Give me kind of your thoughts on that guys. One word win. You win those games, your, your conference, it's all based on wins, right? You got to win the games. The whole conference. And we have a good opportunity to do that facing JMU. That is that is a stellar opportunity to dispel any of what I said, the notion of what I said of, of perception. If the big sky wants to be what it claims to be, then they have to. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, you got to win, right? And so we'll see kind of how that shakes out in the fall. Um, looking forward to that. Uh, like we said, a lot of lot of injuries, but um, spring camp or the the the, the pre-camp, I guess, uh, will start because there's not going to be spring camp this year. Will be in July, and we'll kind of see where the Wildcats are there as they get ready for their first game of the season against the University of Utah on September the second. That'll be a Thursday game, and so looking forward to that. But now, fellas, I want to move on to a segment we're going to be calling Memory Lane. I want to go through our panel, and I want to ask them to give me their best memory from the 2021 spring season in three sports. 
And so I'm going to start with football. Uh, we, you know, we, just, we were just talking about football, so we're kind of in this vein. And so I want to go here. I'm going to start with you, Dustin Chappie Chapman. What is your best memory for football in the 2021 spring season? I'm going to approach this a little bit differently, and I hope you all don't mind. My favorite memories, this has been the absolute funnest, um, most fun I've had being a Weber State alum and enjoying these teams. And I, I think that is a direct reflection upon uh, the things that we've done here on Weber State Weekly. So my, my, my memories are going to be uh, stuff that's happened here. And, and my best memory from football season is our interview with Coach Ursua. Uh, that was a lights-out interview. We all left that night absolutely pumped. And that was a very fun interview. It was very, it was enjoyable to get behind the scenes a little bit to understand what recruiting does, how they do it, who they're going after. Uh, it was, it was, it was very enjoyable and one of my favorite memories of the fall. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and the nice thing is, you know, we talked a lot about those recruits and those coming in, we will get begin to see our opportunity to see some of these recruits Take the field against uh, some of these big sky teams in the fall because now, you know, it's sort of a long game, but now some of those guys are coming through. So, Sean Lewis, what about you? What's your favorite football memory from the 2021 spring season? Easy that I actually got to go sit in Stewart Stadium. I, I got to sit with family and friends for the, for the entire season uh, and just had a good time being with people that I care about and, and watching football. Um, we weren't sure we were going to get that. weren't sure if we were going to, you know, up until like two weeks before, weren't sure we were able to be able to sit in the stadium. So, so that was it. Uh, favorite play we've talked about him, Hale Malone, uh, Noah Tagi getting a tutty, um, on a, on a, on a trick play, some trickeration. Um, there are lots of great things about the season, but, but just being with family and friends in the sunshine was, was my favorite part. I, I will always remember the spring season just because it was so weird and we're never going to do it again. Um, so <laughs> it, it, it's just memorable in that way. Yeah. AC, what about you? Uh, best football memory from this last season? Had to be the first game against Idaho State, and I'll tell you why. It's because there was so much just built-up energy surrounding the football team. They hadn't played in so long, not even an abbreviated fall season like we saw in FBS. They hadn't played in so long. Everybody knew this team was so good. They were going to be getting back to the playoffs. They were going to be competing for the Big Sky Conference Championship again. And just seeing them on the field up in Pocatello when they ran the Bengals off the field, it was just that was that was awesome, man. It was it was so great having football back, football that we could cover, football that we care about, and fo- you know just awesome FBS football from a playoff caliber team. And they had a couple trick plays that made that game memorable. The flea flicker uh, T-Mac had a couple deep passes, a couple deep runs, uh, big runs from Josh Davis, from Daniel Wright, from Dante McMillan. And so just that game, just being back with football in, for the first time in over a year was, that was awesome. So for me, it's Idaho state. Yeah. Uh, now, fellas, I want to move on to men's basketball. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, memorable moments from the the men's uh, basketball season this year. Um, let's start with you again, Chappie. What do you think? Yeah, so kind of keeping with my theme, um, I absolutely loved and still love our interview with Dylan Jones. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun to get that young man in early in the season and to feel the moxie that he had. <laughs> <laughs> and the attitude that he had and the way he was um, made watching him and his progress and what he turned into, which is hopefully the next really great player at Weber State University, uh, getting that interview early in the season and just 
feeling who that young man was and the energy behind him was uh, was very very enjoyable yeah definitely a good one and dylan jones like we noted uh not a few weeks ago ended up winning freshman of the year so uh a lot to a lot of good things to come i think from dylan jones because he showed his medal throughout the season got the opportunity to play as a freshman a lot of minutes uh because he was a person who was out there you know playing good defense producing getting you know getting really tough tough shots to go in and uh man can't wait to see him continue to progress uh sean lewis what about you men's basketball season favorite moment uh same song different verse um I didn't get to attend any games in the Purple Palace this year, but I did get to go to the Big Sky tournament as a as a result of my association with you fellas, and uh, um, that continued tradition. I've been to every neutral site Big Sky tournament. I wasn't sure if I was going to get there this year, um, and being there live and in person uh, was was healing for me because I was at the Big Sky tournament when when the COVID pandemic started. And that was that was the day, uh, you know, Rudy Gobert tested positive on Wednesday night. We'd, we'd watch the Wildcats lose on that Wednesday. I came home on that Thursday to take care of some things uh, that I need that I'm responsible for um, that needed to be addressed. And and the, the tournament was canceled. So for me, it was kind of that healing a year later, being able to go back and and be in that spot again. It felt like things were returning to normal because I could make that trip and and go see my family in Boise and 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 just have that that. That's that's spring. That, that's you know, some people for spring is the Masters. For me, it's the Big Sky Basketball Tournament in Boise. Yeah, for sure. Uh, AC, what about you? Uh, favorite moment from men's basketball this last season? I think probably my single favorite moment was at Sacramento State, and the game is. I mean, it's coming right down to the wire, yeah. and Sacramento State fell asleep on defense. It, it's, it's game is tied. Weber state has the ball with just a, uh, you know, mere seconds remaining in the game. And Isaiah Brown read it and he just, he drove right past everybody yeah. stepped on the gas, laid it up for two chefs kiss. Weber it. state wins. That was, yeah. I'm telling you that, th- that was the moment when I think it like actually punched me, you know, just really hit me that Isaiah Brown is just a special player because there's, nine other dudes out on the floor and he's the one guy who saw that and he's the dude who made that happen weber state won that game because of something that ib did and so that was probably my single favorite moment was that that uh near buzzer beater against sacramento state honorable mentioned when dylan jones knocked out the referee with the right hook (laughs) yeah that was uh that was poor dylan you know he's just you know feeling feeling excited you know playing a big game up uh, up at boise state and uh unfortunately the ref got in the way of a celebration but uh Fellas, I think for mine, uh, I, I was able to go to the Purple Palace uh, for the SUU uh, game, and that first game against them, we just absolutely just smashed them up, like beat them up by, you know, we were up by like 30, you know, and it was just like, yeah, this is what I want to see. So I really enjoyed that game. Uh, but now I want to close this one out. I want to talk about volleyball because, man, what a historic season for the for the volleyball team this year. We talked a lot about it on this show, and there's a lot to like, but uh Chap Dustin Chapman, I want to go to you and say favorite volleyball moment as we wrap this one up. Uh, it was without a doubt uh, the night that we interviewed Ryan Adams here on the podcast. Uh, she's a phenomenal person. It was very enjoyable to learn about her and her journey. Uh, first All American that Weber State has ever had in volleyball. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the moment for me was her talking about some of her personal struggles with weight uh, as a father of, of two daughters her openness on that will always uh, stick with me. And, and again, just really good conversation with her. I very much enjoyed that. 
Yeah, definitely a big moment. And uh, kudos to her. Uh, a lot of work in the offseason, you know, very open about that process and kind of about her struggles and just the triumph after triumph after triumph for Ron Adams this season. Big Sky Player of the Year, you know, big, big Sky MVP, conference tournament MVP, you know, all American. The, the, you know, the, the accolades just kept coming for her. And so congratulations to her and all the good work. Sean Lewis, what about you? Um, for me, the, uh, the, the highlight of the season, uh, was the moment I'm pretty sure it was against Wisconsin. I was, I was watching on, on the feed and the front line just busted a gut laughing. I can't remember if it was against Wisconsin or the, or the, the other game that they played, but they were losing. They were, they were down a little bit and they just busted a gut coming out of a commercial break out of a timeout. And I'm pretty sure that uh, Maya uh, coach Larson had, had told a joke or something like that in, in the huddle. But just how loose they were, and and how how much f- they they genuinely seemed to be enjoying being in the NCAA tournament uh, as as a team, and how far they'd come. So for me, just seeing that joy on their faces, uh, even though they would go on to lose that match, um, uh, that just they they'd achieved a goal, and and they were playing with house money at that point. So and nothing could get their spirits down. And I thought that was just a great moment during the season. Yeah, definitely a big one, right? Because um, like you said, going up against the number one team in the country, I mean, this was it. You know, if you were going to have an opportunity, this was it to see, you know, the best of the best a team had played in the national championship the year before and who was on a, you know, they were on a war path to get back to that national championship and bring one home and still to keep your composure in a game like that. Um, you know, things were not obviously going the Wildcats way and they ended up losing, but still uh, just able to learn a lot. That's this team's battle tested and I'll look forward to seeing them play again in the fall. Uh, AC, what about you? Uh, your volleyball moment from this last season? So many, and I feel like yeah. it's almost unfair for me to just choose one, Colby. This is, this is brutal. This is cruel punishment <laughs> to me. But I'll tell you what, it was when it was watching this team play against Bowling Green in the NCAA tournament, and that was my favorite moment because it was so surreal. Uh, seeing Weber State play on ESPN, which I don't know for sure, but I would imagine that's the first time Weber State Volleyball has ever played on ESPN. They're doing it in the NCAA tournament for the second time in school history, and they beat Bowling Green in four sets in the NCAA tournament. And so it's like these ladies are out here getting dubs for dub state on the national stage in the biggest game in school history. And uh, it, it was it was so surreal to me. I just watching it, seeing the purple and white on TV, hearing the the call and answer cheer, the Weber State. It was it was completely surreal for me, and far and away one of my favorite moments. Not only of this past volleyball season, but of all my experience with Weber State athletics. That was one of my favorite moments. Was was seeing these ladies square off and beat Bowling Green in the NCAA tournament. Yep, and get the first. NCA tournament win in school history, uh, make a statement there. And then, like you said, uh, Sean Lewis at that point, playing against the number one team in the country in Wisconsin, playing with house money and just saying, Hey, here we are. You know, we've, we've come on a really a long road. And so I'll uh, close this one out with, I think my favorite guys is I really was impressed with the volleyball team coming back after that, their first conference loss to the NAU lumberjacks in Flagstaff coming back, winning the second game in that set. Uh, in that series, uh, that weekend series, and splitting with the with the Lumberjacks on the road. I think that was huge. You know, it just showed, I, I said time and time again over the course of the season how much grit this team had, and they showed it in that game because sweeping the Northern Colorado Bears in Northern Colorado was big. 
But I think coming back and splitting with Northern Arizona after losing the night, you know, the previous game, uh, I think that that showed who this team really was. And they proved it once again, going up against Northern Arizona in the conference tournament, beating them, going on to face Northern Colorado in the conference championship on their floor, beating them and just, you know, and winning it for all the marbles. Just absolutely phenomenal moment there. So, all right, fellas, uh, great to take a trip down memory lane. Love this segment. But now we're going to wrap up the show. Um, obviously, there is not a lot of Wildcat sports going on, not as much as there was earlier in the season. And so we've just got a few things to note. On uh, Friday, April 30th, we noted in the segment with Mariah Ramirez that softball will be playing against Portland State. Two games on Friday. First will be at 2 p.m. at Wildcat Softball Field. If you can't make it up to the field, you can watch it on Pluto TV or watchbigsky.com. Or uh, And then the second game that day will be at 4 p.m., same place, same channel, all that good stuff. Then Saturday, May 1st, softball will be playing the third and final game of that series against Portland State, noon at Wildcat Softball Field. Should be a beautiful day, a great opportunity to go see the Wildcats play against the Vikings and close out their home series before coming back to play in the conference tournament for an opportunity to win another Big Sky title. Uh, now we're going to wrap the show up, folks, like we usually do. Um, if you have thoughts or suggestions, um, feedback you'd like to give us, we're moving into the offseason now, and so we have a little bit of opportunity to take on some of the segments that you folks have recommended to us. Feel free to email us at info at weberstateweekly.com. Uh, we're on social media, as we noted at the top of the show. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter, the best place to chat with us, especially on game days, or really just anytime. We're active on Twitter, so uh, chat with us there. Uh, at Weber State Weekly. And we have a great blog. You can go to WeberStateWeekly.com to read up on some of the content we produced over the past few weeks. Um, should be some more stuff coming soon. Um, obviously, football season is over now and um, a number of others, but we'll probably be talking recruiting with a few sports uh, because we're getting ready for the fall season now and there will be some things changing. So go to WeberStateWeekly.com, check out our blog and the good things going on there. And of course, Patreon. With the Patreon accounts, you can go to uh, Weber, uh, patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly to pledge and support the work that we're trying to do to highlight Wildcat sports, whether that's volleyball, softball, basketball, football, you name it. We're trying to make sure that Wildcat fans are as informed as they can be about what's happening up on campus. So with that, folks, we're going to wrap the show up like we usually do, and I'll say Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 <laughs> Go Wildcats. <laughs> Weber State Weekly is a Deep State Media production. It's produced by Colby Peterson. It's directed and edited by Dan Martinez.